the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. You can't say we didn't warn you. We tried to warn you. We said that the Raptors were probably going to drop that game in Milwaukee. And we're going to talk all things Raptors today. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the StadiumScene.tv network, part of the Overtime Media crew. And we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats studio. Yeah, last night was a tough one. We're recording this Sunday morning. The game in Milwaukee was tough to watch, especially that first quarter. And there's a whole bunch to talk about. So joining me to do so again is Connor Chambers of Toronto Sports Views. Dude, welcome back. Surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) You didn't think you'd see me again. Risen from the dead. I'm here to... Not rip on the Bulls this time, but, you know, <laughs> actually talk more Raptors than Bulls. Well, the Bulls won, so. Yeah, hey, you know what? Congratulations, Chicago <laughs> Bulls, for getting a win against the Detroit Pistons, I believe, is who they beat, yeah, right? Yeah, Okay. Well, whatever. Well, you still suck. Casey can't catch a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, that dude's catching L. Yeah, so, I don't know. Um, I assume you watched last night's game. Uh how do you feel about it? Are you are you doing okay? You gonna walk yourself off a ledge, or are you you good? Um, didn't I say that if the Raptors won two out of three of their games in the three games that we reviewed, that I'd be all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm doing all right today. Um, I think that the first quarter, uh, obviously was not not ideal. No. Um, can't go down that many points, but we've seen that before against Milwaukee, right? Like I don't know why we repeat ourselves with this um, narrative about going into Milwaukee and being down like a shit ton of points after the first quarter or first half, Mm. but it always just seems to happen. Um, I think that there were a lot of shots that were taken by the Raptors that were actually quality shots that just didn't go in. So for that, I don't really hang my head too much on the score line of the first half. I think it was a little bit deceiving, but I will give the Raptors credit for fighting back and actually making us somewhat of a game because um, I'm not going to lie, uh, watching Leafs and Raptors at the same time is very difficult. So <laughs> I try to split screen. <laughs> um, but I was focused more on the Raptors because I knew we had the pod today. And honestly, the Raptors have just been more exciting. So um, I kind of switched over a bit to the Leafs and I had the Raptors on a separate screen, but it wasn't the main one. And then I looked back and I was like, Oh shit! It's like it's like a fifteen point game. It's like yeah. they're, like they're starting to make moves, and then I, I I switched it over to the main screen. But uh, um, you know the back and forth of it. It's it's the nature of being a professional a professional sports fan in Toronto. You just gotta balance them out. But um, look, obviously not ideal. But there were a lot of things that could have went worse. I think in that game that didn't. So um, I will. Uh, yeah, like the loss is a loss. Uh, they don't ask you how. They ask you how many. So um, at the end of the day, it's not not ideal, but it's not something that I'll hang my head about for sure. If you recall, a couple summers back, uh, you made an active effort to try to um, instill hockey fandom in me. And I got to tell you, mm-hmm. this is exactly why I can't do hockey, man. I, and I've never gotten into it because there's, you know, when you have a game and you have a team that you're passionate about, like the, like the Raptors, it's really hard to pick and choose at that point. Right. Like it, in 
when it comes to maybe the Blue Jays and stuff, if they're in the postseason, it's really easy for me to make that decision, Blue Jays yeah. over Raptors, because they're in the postseason. Like, these games matter just a little bit more. Um, and the same thing with the Raptors towards the end in the postseason or the Blue Jays. So you got to pick the Raptors. But when they're two regular season games, you're kind of like, I don't know how to weigh this one out. I don't know how to balance this equation here. So this is why I stay clear from hockey. So I give you a lot of credit to uh, – to make the effort to balance those out and, you know, first world problems, main screen and side screen. I mean, come on, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. The one team takes a smaller screen than the other, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know what? It's switched back and forth. So I, I will say that each team shared a little bit on each screen. So no, neither franchise can get mad at me. Like, sorry, that's just the way it goes. But yeah. uh, Raptors got more of the main screen time, obviously, but um, it was, it was nice to see them make that effort uh to pull it back and and make it almost like it was what a f- four point game in the fourth quarter at, yeah. at, at one point i think yeah four four point game and um obviously a couple couple shots didn't go our way and they got the bounces but that's home court for you and that's what confetti will do at the end of the game so i don't <laughs> well fucking, why are you putting confetti down after a regular game what is it game six regular season win are you stupid uh, a lot of people joke that that was confetti saved from the Eastern Conference Finals <laughs> that they just never used. And they're like, well, might as well That's fucking good. unleash it right now. And, you yeah. know, mostly dust, but some confetti. <laughs> oh, yeah. Honestly, at that point, I think that the confetti actually withered away and literally just became particles in the air. Right. So it's probably rotted and deteriorated. Good for yeah. you, Milwaukee, for exposing all your fans to dusty confetti. Well, as we mentioned, the Raptors took a quick road trip to Milwaukee this past weekend, and they take a long little break until Wednesday where they come home to host the Sacramento Kings. And if you want to be in on the action, get your tickets at Vivid Seats. This is what you do. You head on over to your favorite smart device, whether it's an Apple, uh, an iPhone rather, or a Google phone, Android, whatever. Type in uh, the Vivid Seats app in the App Store and download it. And when you do, make sure you type in promo code overtime you can get up to a hundred bucks off your first ticket purchase by using promo code overtime that's o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e the vivid seats app is legit man it's got everything you need they have a loyalty program that you're automatically enrolled in so the more tickets you buy the more rewards you earn towards future ticket purchases they have every event that you could possibly look for comedy show sporting event like the raptors concerts whatever you want they have it at the best possible Price. You can search by row, you can search by seat, you can search by section. Whatever you need to do, Vivid Seats makes it easier for you. And the best part about this, every purchase is backed up by a 100% buyer guarantee. No scams, you're going to get your tickets guaranteed. So we're hooking you up. As I said, first-time customers get up to 100 bucks off their first ticket purchase by using promo code OVERTIME exclusively in the Vivid Seats app we got a whole jam-packed show for you i know there's a lot of frustration as a result of last night's loss against milwaukee hang tight we will be right back to break it all down hang tight this is the overtime podcast network all right so a buddy of mine on Twitter made a really good point. We're talking in uh, DMs, and he says to me, and I told him I was going to use this quote, and so here I am using it because I thought it was a, a really good point. Um, Milwaukee got the win, but the Raptors got the W in that game. Mm. I was like, I like I that. Don't, 
I like that. Well, you gotta admire the grit and the determination to come back. Sure, sure. I mean, I like, yeah. I, I just think that you, you can't say that when you go down twenty, twenty-five points in in the first quarter. Right, right, right. right? Like, like, like to me, like, uh, yes, in terms of fight and in terms of, uh, you know, n- not giving up and stuff. I, like, I'll agree with that. Sure. Um, they they did an extraordinary job as a team uh, in terms of there's a lot of teams that would have folded after the first quarter and just said you know what we run it out maybe mm. we put together a little bit of a run stat pad a bit get the fuck out of Milwaukee because this place sucks and then go back home but uh, massive credit to the Raptors championship mentality that was instilled in them over the course of last year the the tenacity in this team is is unbelievable so yes in terms of that for sure I just don't think you can associate that performance with anything that remotely comes close to saying that's a dub because um, you can't go down that many points. It doesn't matter who you are, especially against a team like Milwaukee, right? Yeah, especially against a team like Milwaukee, the chances of you actually coming back and and taking a win are slim. So, yeah, like, do I like, yeah, that's why I'm like, hmm, I agree a little bit. I don't necessarily fully agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the the Raptors did have a lot of mental errors, especially in the first quarter, as been well documented. But you know, Milwaukee has coughed up a lot of games recently after having a pretty substantial lead. And there was yes. that one point yesterday in the in the third and fourth quarters that you know the Raptors dwindled it down to four points. And I was thinking maybe this is going to happen again. Like maybe the Raptors can can take advantage of you know the lack of momentum that Milwaukee ostensibly seems to be having within the past four or five games. Um, I don't know. I, I I thought the grit and determination was there. I really, really liked that performance from Kyle Lowry. How can you not? Like, how can <laughs> you not like what he's been doing as a Toronto Raptor, right? And, you know, a lot of people like to hate on him. A lot of people like to call him overrated. But I want to say that last night, that performance from Kyle Lowry should. It won't. But it should shut the mouths of a lot of people that doubt him. I think that Kyle Lowry through the first six games has been the best point guard in the NBA. Wow. Okay. But I, I'm, I, I don't disagree. I, I just I'm just think, saying, wow. yeah, right. I, I like, if you think about the performances of every single other team's point guards over the first six games or five, six, seven games, how many they've played. Oh, to start the season, the NBA, you'd be hard pressed to find someone that's better. Now, right. obviously there are arguments to be made. And again, it's all based on names, but I'm just saying if, if you didn't know, if you came out of like a 20 year coma and you didn't know anything about anybody, you didn't know the names, you didn't know who was who, what they've done in the past, whatever, you might take a look at all the games in the NBA to start the season. And honestly, truthfully say this guy, Kyle Lowry, is the best one out of anybody in the NBA currently to start the season. Mm-hmm. He's been that good. It's it's also it's easily all star level. Um, I, I still hate the comparisons of Kyle Lowry and Mike Conley like those need to die because Mike Conley isn't anywhere close right now to Kyle Lowry because Kyle Lowry is playing on another level. And will Kyle Lowry regress? Probably. Right. <laughs> like this, I don't expect him to maintain this performance throughout the entire season, but it's unbelievable to see his game step up now that he doesn't have Kawhi Leonard nor DeMar DeRozan. He, just, he has another option in Pascal Siakam, but he's really taking it upon himself to be that scoring leader now too, as opposed to just 
a ball distributor and, and the guy who sets up Kawhi. And it really shows, I think, and I've been super impressed with him. Well, let's start there. Let's start with Kyle Lowry because I think his usage has been a little bit of a concern, a justifiable concern to a lot of Raptors fans heading into the season. Um, I'll admit that I did expect his offensive game, especially the scoring production, to trickle up compared to last year, but I didn't really equate it to a high usage rate. So let's break this down. Um, As a reminder, we're recording this Sunday morning, so things can change. But as of this moment, throughout the first two weeks of the season, Kyle Lowry is second in the league in minutes played behind Andre Drummond. Kyle Lowry has 233 total minutes played. Kyle being at the wrong side of age 30 is someone that the Raptors are going to rely heavily on, but they can't really run him down either. Um, He's the leader of the team, the de facto leader. He sets the tone for the entire team. So chop it up. Are you concerned with the amount of minutes that Lowry is racking up, or do you think this is sort of out of necessity because – what the hell are the Raptors supposed to do, you know, otherwise? Who else is supposed to step up in the absence of Kawhi Leonard, as you mentioned, or, De- or DeMar DeRozan right now on this team? Who, and, you know, given that Pascal Siakam kind of had an off night last night, Kyle Lowry is the mainstay here right now. So does this concern you moving forward throughout the entire 82-game season? Um, I think it's concerning if the usage rate continues. Now, I think that the reason why the usage rate is what it is is because obviously this is what we talked about last week, the the depth, right? right. Like the depth just isn't there. And I understand why people are um, trying to have Fred Van Vliet go onto the bench so he can almost alleviate these minutes for Kyle. That's, you don't have to have Fred Van Vliet on the bench to alleviate minutes for Kyle, number one. Um I just think that Nick Nurse is still going through his process of figuring out who is my ninth and 10th man on this team, because I think that right now he doesn't know. Um, I think that there are a lot of people that would argue and say that Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis should be getting more of the minutes and everyone else can take a hike. But um, I think that that's a process that he's still working towards. And in the meantime, you have to, have players on the court for those minutes. Um, Kyle Lowry should have played as much as he did against a team like Milwaukee. Uh, Other teams, like let's say the Bulls, who are absolute poverty and suck, um, (laughs) he he shouldn't be playing those extensive minutes, and we have to find ways to mitigate that. But against the top-tier teams, you're going to need your dog to play. You're going to need your dog to go out there and run out. So in terms of those matchups, I won't be concerned about that. Um, I think that maybe we start to see a little bit of load management for Lowry as the season progresses. But I think right now he's feeling good. He looks like he's in really good shape for Kyle Lowry, uh, which is also a plus, And I think that's really helping. So all those factors put in together, it's it's not surprising to me now. But if this continues, it would be concerning for me moving into the future. Yeah, and you know, this is a guy that takes a lot of physical toll on his body in a you know year to year. This isn't someone that's unfamiliar with the grind and the physicality of the position, especially. Wait, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry doesn't take charges, does he? No, never, not once. No, like that. Never, you know. never seen him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. That guy doesn't lay his body. What the hell are you talking about? No, you know, it, 
jokes aside, like that that's part of what makes Kyle Lowry great. That's part of what yes. you know separates him from the point guard pack around the NBA. Because how many point guards do you know that are willing to to lay their body out on the line? This guy is t- willing to take charges from fucking Giannis. This guy Giannis is a goddamn antelope trying to run into you at full speed, and Kyle Lowry is just like, no, I'm here, bro. And even though he didn't <laughs> really get as many calls as he wanted him to last night, he's still there. Fucking just not scared at the very least, unintimidated, ready to take it. And, you know, as much as I love seeing that, if the Raptors are going to have any chance this year, which I do think they have, you know, because they found a way to come back into this game, he's got to realize that, you know, there is a sense of playing the long game here. I love seeing him taking the charges. I do. But if any one of the following, Kyle Lowry, uh, Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, are out due to an injury, this team is fucked. And I, I, I know Kyle Lowry loves to put his body on the line. I know this is how he plays. But he also has to understand how integral he is to this team for the entire season. So I, I, I get, I'm not asking him to stop doing what he's doing. Obviously, he's, this is what made him him. But maybe a little bit of a balance wouldn't hurt moving forward. Yeah, I think that's going to have to come from the coaching staff because I think that Kyle Lowry is not going to change who he is or or his play style, right? I'm not and sure he's going to do it even with the coach's <laughs> recommendation. No, no, no. I mean, it's going to have to be based on minutes. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's going to have to be that load management from uh, Nurse or it's going to have to be, all right, you're off for the for two, three minutes longer than what you would normally sit out for in this duration, right? It's It's going to have to come from the coaching staff and the management of how long he's playing, because otherwise he's not changing. Right. This dude's in mid thirties. This tiger ain't this. It's lying and changing his stripes, right? Like he's sitting there and he's going, no, no, I play like a dog. Uh, no people fear me like on the defensive end. They can't, they, they, they can't post me in the threes and the fours. Like try to post up Kyle Lowry and it doesn't work. He just stands there and he's like, I'm not fucking moving. Yeah. You're going to have to punch me in the face to move me because I'm not. This is my spot. Right. So and and I don't think that I would be fair to ask him to do that. And I don't think his fans, we want him to do that. So um, I think it's going to have to come in terms of minutes, managements and, and restrictions, because that's the only other way that I could see this changing. Yeah. And, you know, given the aspect that. In his minutes may be monitored a bit more, or maybe a load management day here and there. It raises the question, like, this has been a hot topic issue um, ever since last night, you know, what to do with the starting lineup. And right now, Fred Van Vliet is inserted in there, but, you know, minus the first game of the season, it's becoming clear that maybe he's best served off the bench. And I say that with a little bit of trepidation because I recall in the playoffs prior to the Golden State series and maybe a little bit of the Milwaukee series that there was a portion, at least in the beginning, that, you know, Fred was building a school with all those bricks. And there was a legitimate conversation of having Jeremy Lin being ins- inserted in there instead of Fred Van Vliet at least for the majority of those minutes. Now, I know it evened out, and Fred Van Vliet had, you know, even finals MVP nods, but right now, I think it's best to have him come off the bench in a perfect world. However, this raises the question, who the fuck else are you putting in? Like, this is what we're talking about with the lack of depth and the concerns here. Like, I'm not confident in Norman Powell being that two-guard coming 
right into the starting lineup. I'm not confident in that. And Terrence Davis, say what you want. I've been impressed with his limited minutes played, but I'm not sure that he can stomach that. I'm not saying he can't. I just don't know. So I guess maybe this week against a team like Sacramento, maybe that's the, the time that you insert him in there and you know try to test it out. But as of this recording right now, I'm just kind of putting my hands up in the air and saying, yeah, while I agree Fred Van Vliet maybe isn't the best consideration, for the starting lineup, but the Raptors' options are extremely limited. Who else are you putting in there? There's no, there's nobody else that I think that you can put in there at this point. Right. I just don't think that it exists, and I completely agree. Like, look, I'm not confident in Norman Powell right now in the starting lineup. Um, he's still a fine depth bench piece, and that uh, that I won't question. I won't ask why he's still playing. So that's fine. But uh, Terrence Davis, as much as I like it, like you've said, as much as I've been impressed with him and as much as um, you, you sit there and you go, wow, he's done a lot. But in how many minutes? Yeah. Right. Like we're, we're going to now ask this guy to be in a starting role and play even 20 to 25 minutes a game is is what four times as much as what we've asked him to do this year. I'm cringing it's, a little bit. And that's not right? like a, a, a an insult to him. It's just like, no, that makes me very uncomfortable. Right. Right. And I, I think that most fans that aren't react super reactionary would agree because there are a lot of people that would say, well, look, he's he's why, why not just do it right now? Why not just experiment with it? Do it right now. Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. No, because it's about a big picture outlook as well. Right. If you're going to put this guy into the starting lineup, put him 20, 25 minutes a game ramp up, you see that he doesn't do so well. Then what are you going to do? Not play him again. Right. Put him down to three minutes a game. Can't do that. Right. But you, you three to five minutes a game. That's that's not at that point. It goes back to what we said last week. If you haven't listened to the podcast last week, I <laughs> highly suggest that you do put him in the G League if you're going to do that. Right. Um, put him in the G League if you're going to put him back down to three to five minutes a game, because that's not helping. Um, I, I just uh, Fred, Fred is the only option right now for being in the starting lineup. And I honestly don't have a problem with it. Uh, I I agree with what you're saying. It's not ideal. I don't really see the the big issue with it at this point. And, and there are some glaring issues with Fred Van Vliet. I just think that as of right now, I think it's fine. Um, something that I do believe at some point Masai will address is um, the depth at the like two spot and the three spot. So just getting like that, that forward and that, maybe backup guard to help out and alleviate some of those stresses. And maybe you hope that Terrence Davis or Matt Thomas can step up in a way that you didn't think that they could. But at this point, it looks like we might have to go externally to get that help. You know, you mentioned Matt Thomas, uh, although I did like what I saw from him last night on the offensive end last night, I saw how limited he, he is on defense and how like deer in a headlights he can be on that side of the floor. And when you're playing a team like Milwaukee, it's really important that you have your defense like up to par. Like you, there is no room for slouching. And I'm not saying that he's not trying. I'm just saying we recognize the limitations that Matt Thomas has as a defensive player. Um, you know, there also is an argument to be made and that I've seen on Twitter. And I'm, I don't necessarily agree with this. I lean towards, mm, I'm not in favor of it, but having Surge start at the four which then would move Pascal to the three and maybe having OG at the two. Um, 
I don't really like it. I don't, but again, dire straits, man. Desperate times call for desperate situations. And I say that hesitantly because this is only game, we're heading into game six of the season. Like I'm not, this isn't something that I'm, or game seven rather of the season. I'm not, I, I don't consider this a desperate time. We have plenty of time to figure it out, but I do recognize the fact that whether it be by, you know, trade or free agent signing, you mentioned Messiah might do something to upgrade the, the two or three position. Something needs to be done. Well, I just want to stay because you talked about Matt Thomas. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack to that because you love Matt Thomas. I do. While, while I do too, obviously, um, you really could see his defensive limitations. And it was really apparent, actually, if, if you guys don't follow Mike Bossetti on Twitter, great follow. Um, he, he provides everything in such a factual uh, breakdown and, and stats that it's, um, it's, it's really good, especially things that you're like, oh, I didn't even think of that or i didn't even know that um he had a video breakdown of matt thomas uh and he said that in a short clip it was about a 10 15 second clip and it was it was the beauty and downfall of matt thomas where it was he comes off a screen he hits a he hits a three as he's open from the screen mm-hmm. and then right on the defensive end he loses dante DiVincenzo and gives up a three yeah so um and that was all within like 15 10 15 seconds and it was it was really interesting to see that. And you're like, fuck, like we have to have some you, you can't be net neutral or, or negative in that category of, well, I'm hitting my shots, but I'm giving them up. Like we have to have a positive somehow from the player. Right. It has to if, if you're going to be that ninth, tenth guy, just give a positive or at least a solid like a neutral option but we can't be allowing that and that's really what limits matt thomas at this point um going to your big boy lineup um which i actually like i agree with you i'm not in favor of but i would like to see it in certain circumstances so um if you're looking at it from like the milwaukee bucks perspective where they have a pretty tall lineup um, I wouldn't mind seeing it there, especially I and I know it's a big game though. It is Milwaukee and they're tough, but like it's game six. Try it out, right? Like it's not it's not gonna kill you at this point to try out something and see if it works. I, I would like to see it against bigger lineups. Um because of the fact that we've seen Marcus Gasol can he still can hit a three, even though he's not right now. He can hit the three. Surge has shown that he hasn't improved or the, his shot is kind of started to come back this year in terms of the range. Pascal Siakam seems to be hitting not just from the corner. OG and Anobi feels like he can spot up and you know what Kyle Lowry can do from deep. So his team can provide range and they can provide length on the defensive end. So I wouldn't mind seeing it, but that's not a lineup that you trot out every day. You can't you can't no. trot that out and just be like, here's our starting lineup, OG at the two. Yeah. It's not gonna it's not gonna work. But um I wouldn't mind it. Shit, if they were down, like they were down by 20, 25 points, why not? My issue with that, and I think you're right. When it comes to teams like Milwaukee or Philadelphia, that might be the recipe right there to sort of uh, match up with what they're putting on the floor. My issue with that, though, is that Serge Ibaka has been doing an outstanding job mitigating the, the flaws that Mark Saul has been exhibiting. Right, Marcus Saul has not been up to par. He just it's not there. I don't have necessarily have a problem with the defense. I think that is okay. But offensively, it's just it's not showing up. Defensive rebounds 
not showing up offensive rebounds, not showing up. Like there is something up, I think, with Marcus All. You can call it fatigue from uh, the the summer, the tournament in the summer. That's possible. Um, you could call it not being in game shape. I I wouldn't know the answer to that. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not part of the team's medical staff or nutrition staff. I don't know. But there's definitely something a little off when it comes to Marc Gasol. And Serge Ibaka coming off the bench to sort of mitigate those issues has been very advantageous for the Raptors. The problem is if you put those two in the lineup at the same time in terms of a starting role, now you're relying on Chris Boucher to back one of them up. And again, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that quite yet. So this is the the issue here. This is the dilemma that the Raptors, I'm sure, internally are facing. What do you do? And it's become gl- clear that we sort of overhyped the depth because I, I'll be the first to admit it. I'm the one that said that not only are the Raptors deep, they have quality depth. Now I'm shaking my head and saying, no, man, I feel like I was way off when it comes to the depth that the Raptors have or else the quality of the depth that the Raptors have. I don't know how you fix these issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of us were sort of saying that they had quality depth. I think that we thought that Stanley Johnson would be better than what he is. Yeah. Um, I think that we underestimated the flaws on defense of Matt Thomas. I think that we thought that Rondé Hollis Jefferson was going to be a solid option in the um, in, on the bench. He still can be. I agree. I, I'm not. I'm not out on him yet I, I haven't really seen him do anything right he's, like he's, he's just, just been, been yeah he's just been hurt so that that's not fair to write him off I'm just saying when you take a look at what we have and um we expect I think we all expected Norm Powell to be a little bit better than what he's shown this year yeah uh you, you know it's just it's it's things like that where you're going okay if these guys are at the level that we think that they're going to be at then the depth here is really good it's just like like you said hasn't really happened. And I think that the glaring issue is that Marcus Gasol, like you said, has not performed to the level that we even remotely thought that he'd perform at this year. So then Serge Ibaka gets more of a more of this advanced role, which I'm not saying is bad. I think that Serge Ibaka has been great this year. Um, but then you have to, again, rely on like a Chris Boucher. And it's like, well, if you see Chris Boucher in even five, six, seven minutes of the game, that might not be good right now because I don't think that he's at that point where he can give you five, six, seven quality minutes. I just I haven't seen it. Hmm. So, yeah, to to think that the that the depth was going to be good was not like I think most people were thinking that and saying that. And now we're kind of just sitting here going, well, what do we do? Right. Like Nick, Nick Nurse came out and was like, at the beginning of the the preseason when he was asked about the death pieces and he's like, well, I'm not pleased. They right. suck. Essentially. He said they, they suck right now. They're they're They don't get it. They don't get it. And to me, that was sort of alarming. I was like, wait, hold on. What do you mean? Right? Because you come in and you assume that they're going to do it. You assume that defensive guys like Stanley Johnson, Rondé Hollis Jefferson are going to buy into a defensive role in a defensive scheme. And, of, of what they need to do, right? Buy into the defense, buy into the hard work. And they don't, and you're kind of sitting there left scratching your head going, well, well then why, why are the, why the fuck are these guys here? Right. What's going on? What do you mean? So. Yeah, it's look, the good news is that they have plenty of time to figure it out. <laughs> they have 
They have plenty of time to sort of work through these issues as they go. But I've said this on here. I've said this on numerous, numerous other shows I've been a guest on. The beginning portion of the Raptors schedule, at least for the first couple of months, it's very top heavy compared to the second half. Um, so these issues might become more and more glaring as we progress through the schedule and see teams like the Lakers and the Clippers in the back-to-back. You know, there's a West Coast road trip coming up that's not looking pretty for the Raptors. In December, they have the Celtics twice in one week. That's the Christmas Day game and the game following. Like, it's it's not something that you want to see necessarily figured out when the team has a difficult schedule lining up. The good news, though, is that I trust Nick Nurse and his ability to sort of adjust and to make moves like as the game progresses, like we saw it against Milwaukee in the in the playoffs last year with the box and one. We saw these these plays being utilized. It's just that the personnel is a lot different, especially off the bench. So I don't know. I just need to see a little bit more from this team than I've been seeing, say, from Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka and OG and, to a degree, Pascal. Like, Pascal, minus last night, has been fine. Um, yeah. I, I am concerned, though, that when he faces a legitimate competitor, he may, and he did, look a little shook. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think that, like, Boston was a legitimate competitor, and I don't think that he looked terrible in the Celtics game. Right? I mean, man-to-man. Like, Oh man, okay, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, you're, yeah, you're talking about okay. Um, yeah, it was it, obviously not the greatest of games from Pascal Siakam, and kind of took a couple of fouls that you were like, well, why are you, well, like, well, what was what was your thought process through this? Why are you doing that? Hmm. Um, so obviously, like to see a little bit more from him on that end, but. I don't know. Look, he's still really young. The guy's played basketball for eight years. He's going to still make mistakes that you expect guys in college to make. Right. Because the guys in college have been playing basketball for 12 years. Right. 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 So while Siakam has the raw skills, and I think that this is also why I projected him to keep improving as much as he has. He's only played for eight years. Like the dude picked up a basketball essentially just before he went to college, right? Like we have to, we have to not forget that because that is very important and it is still going to come with some growing pains that you would expect guys in their third, fourth, fifth year that are on a max contract to have figured out. But sometimes the guy in his eighth year of playing basketball might not necessarily get that just quite yet and it might take a little bit longer for him to figure that out so i think that we have to be a little bit more patient pascal and i think that he figures it out though i i I truly believe in that but it's going to take a little bit of time well as i mentioned there's plenty of time left in the nba season and there's also plenty of time for you to get in on the action when it comes to betting on the nba season so check it out if you're going to bet make sure you do it right with mybookie.ag they got it all whether you want to bet on specific games how many wins the raptors or any other team will finish with they got the raptors in at a 46 and a half win total by the way or if you whether or not you want to bet on the raptors repeating as champions once again they got them at a 
plus 600 odds. My bookie has you covered. You can make bets on individual quarters, halves, player props, like points. It doesn't matter. They've got it all. And now is the best time to get in on the action, and so much so that we've got a special offer for you. When you sign up over at mybookie.ag, new users that use promo code OVERTIME get their first deposit doubled. It's legitimately free money dumped into your account on day one. Who does this? You want to drop 40 bucks on your first bet? Well, I got news for you. It's actually 80 and you only paid $40 for it. Can't believe this is real. So head on over to mybookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME. They're going to hook you up by doubling your first deposit over at mybookie. You play, you win, you get paid. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Dwayne Casey and the storyline or lack thereof. Hang tight. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So Dwayne Casey came back. (laughs) And of course, of course, everybody's got to make a story about it. And look, it's fun. It's fun to have storylines when it comes to a specific game. It's fun to revisit things. But I don't know about you, man. This seems to be a little bit overblown. You know, there was a lot of talk about the relationship of Dwayne Casey with the Raptors and what went wrong, or, you know, maybe the lack of relationship he has now. I don't know. But chop it up. Do you think that this whole storyline was a bit overblown and it doesn't really matter anymore? Or do you think that this will forever be a talking point when these worlds collide? Um. Well, you you know what what I said again on last week's podcast. So if you haven't listened, I'm telling you again, <laughs> go back and listen. I don't have to, I don't want to ask you a third time, but I'm, I'll, I'll, I might do it throughout this podcast. So go back and listen. Um, talked about Dwayne Casey and, and I said, look, this guy needs to shut the hell up because I'm just so sick of hearing about it. He kind of does this to himself where he comes out and he has these quotes. I, I understand it's media driven, but then just tell the media, look, I don't want to talk about the Raptors. It's in the past and I'm focused on the Pistons. Right. It's not that hard. Stop feeding the media these quotes, right? Like, stop it because you don't make yourself look good. Now, I know that he kind of came in and he was like, oh, it's so nice to see the championship banner. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Shut up. That that banner wouldn't have existed if if you were still the head coach. I'm sorry. Like, I know that you you did great things for this program, but you were not able to take it the next step. There was no way that you were going to be able to. So please just say, you know what? I enjoy my time with Toronto. I moved on to the Pistons. It's over. But I think that this year it will be still a talking point just because the Raptors are fresh off that championship. Mm-hmm. And Dwayne had said, well, Toronto doesn't know what it's like to win. Detroit knows, but Toronto doesn't. So now he's got himself linked for another year, right? Because they're going to come in and say, well, Toronto won. So how do you feel? Right. Uh, I j- <sighs> I hope that this stops after next year. Will it? I, I really don't know. I don't think that it has a place anymore after this game because I can understand the narrative of Toronto winning and then talking about it, talking about it to Dwayne Casey, the game that he comes back to, the first game back at Scotiabank Arena to see the banner, which is unreal, by the way. If you haven't listened to the podcast last week, we <laughs> talked about that. You should check it out. <laughs> and, and um, You know, it's... Uh, it's just it's just these little things that he says. I don't actually know if he intentionally means it, but I think Dwayne's a smart dude and I think he understands what he's doing. So just be quiet, man. Yeah. 
be quiet. That's all. Like, I don't want to hear from you anymore. Please. Just, I don't want to, I, I don't even care if it's positive. Like, it was a positive message. It wasn't that it was negative. It was positive. I don't care. Stop. It's done. Go try to win something with Detroit because you won't. So be right. quiet, please. I'm, I've had enough. Well, you know, you look at the result from last year and, you know, the, it was a buzzer beater. Was it an alley-oop from the out-of-bounds that they lost that yeah. game? Okay, yeah. so it was, it was a last-minute buzzer beater bucket off the glass. Um, and Dwayne Casey got his revenge. He got his win, and he celebrated like he won the championship, even though, <laughs> like, in his mind, he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even consider it. Like, bullshit. Like, you're, <laughs> you're a bad liar. But, you know, this year it wasn't nearly as productive. For him, he got the floor swept. Well, his team got the floor swept by the Raptors. It's 125 to 113. And Pascal Siakam had an incredible performance. And, you know, maybe for him it might have stung. Maybe not. But I do know that, you know, walking into this game, you see all these links on Twitter, see all these stories about, you know, Dwayne Casey coming home. And I'm thinking to myself, like, for instance, does Frank Vogel, is he going to go through this when he goes back to Orlando or Indiana? Like, is this a talking point? Like, nearly to the degree that, you know, the Raptors media makes it for Dwayne Casey? I'm not sure. And I'm not even convinced that it's true. Like, I, this is what I mean about the, the strong links that Toronto and the fan base has to previous moments and players. And it, it almost seems like there's a little bit of an insecurity there when it comes to it like we need to prove to Dwayne Casey that we are still the shit without you and to me I'm just kind of like who cares man you won the championship like we have nothing more to prove to Dwayne Casey Nick Nurse heard it's in the ceiling it's right there it's in like right above you at the arena like there's your proof what more do you need you know if you have a fake ring it's coming in the mail what more do you need <laughs> at this point like to me, like, I don't care about these storylines anymore. I care about what's current. I care about what's happening right now and the progress or lack thereof that this team is making. I don't really care about old school storylines when it comes to a, a coach that got the team so far and couldn't get them over a playoff hump. Why are we even talking about it? I guess it's it's cool to say former head coach of the Toronto Raptors, Dwayne Casey, because let's be real, Casey did have like an integral impact on this team and its development as an organization but when it comes to the style of play and the impact he has on its players maybe individually he had an impact all coaches seem to but when it comes to their success I just don't see it so I, I guess I am wondering like why are not you and I but why are, are people even talking about him coming back why is this even a thing anymore yeah I am I can like I completely agree with you, but I'm going to play devil's advocate just because um, I think that I I think I understand the reasons why people are talking about it. So I just kind of want to put that out there. Sure. Um, look, that's it's a coach that was with the team. There, there's a few reasons like Dwayne Casey was with the Raptors for how many years? Seven, eight. Right. He went through two different regimes in the Colangelo regime and the Dwayne in the Masai um, Ujiri regime. Mm -hmm. um so to be able to survive that in and of itself was pretty impressive and i think that raptors fans have always felt this connection with them and he's always linked with demar Derozan. i think right like he was coming off coach of the year he was coming off of a performance that um was very lackluster in the playoffs but gave us a great regular season uh kind of moved on right in around the same time that De that DeMar DeRozan was shipped. So there was a lot of emotions running high with the fan base. And I think that they had that attachment because they said, okay, well, if Nick Nurse doesn't succeed and he doesn't get us farther than Dwayne Casey, 
then why the fuck did we fire Dwayne Casey? Hmm. Right. So I think that that was what was driving the narrative because it was such a unique situation. I think even, even if you talk about Frank Vogel, like Frank Vogel was in Orlando for what, like it, like a year or two. Yeah, he was in Indiana long. for, he was in Indiana for, for longer, but um, he didn't come, he didn't get fired coming off of coach of the year. He didn't get fired after he went to the Eastern conference finals, basically mm-hmm. or semi semifinals finals, like getting there all the time. So I think that there was a lot more of an unprecedented situation with the Dwayne Casey thing. And I think that's why it garnered attention, but I don't understand why it's even getting attention. Now it should be dead. Uh, it should be thrown away into the trash. And I never want to hear about a Dwayne Casey quote again, that has to deal with the Raptors. I'm just, I'm so sick of it. I'm done. I'm done with this garbage. See that, that strikes me as peculiar because I mean, maybe it was just me and I know you were in the same boat. People were surprised that he got fired. Like, yes. to me, that just doesn't make sense like, to me because, like, a change no. had to be made. And I hate, we don't need to revisit this. Like, we knew, like, things needed to be changed. But, you know, he was the sacrificial lamb. And it kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, you know, not nearly as bad as it did for DeMar, you know, bringing him into the equation. But, like, I understand that, like, who, do, do NBA fans really take that much shock into their head coach? To me, it's all about the players. Like, I understand the head coach is important. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's very important. But, like, I I feel like this is a Toronto thing. Like, we get so attached to, like, the GMs and the head coaches. Who's going to be the guy? Like, it, who's running the show? Like, that to me seems very Toronto. And yeah, I'm not John sure John Gibbons should have been fired years ago. Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> that, like, but people still defend him to this day. And, like, for good reasons and bad. But, like, yeah. people are still attached to these people these figures in the organization in Toronto. And I'm not sure that that is prevalent in other organizations. Like for instance, no one really in Boston here talks about doc rivers anymore. They just don't like, no one cares. Like no one talks about John Farrell either. They don't care. Like they're on to bigger and better things. Like who cares? And I feel like Toronto has, I hate using this, this term, but the fan base sort of has that perception and this this complex that like these figures are so ingrained into the history that they need to be acknowledged every time, and that seems weird to me. Like, why? Why does this need, even need to get brought up? I get last year; it made a lot of sense. He got fired, coach of the year. This is his revenge. Got it. Now we won the championship. This shouldn't even be on the radar anymore. Completely agree. Um, we, me, and you were both in the same boat with the Dwayne Casey thing. Not surprised, but there were a lot of people that were saying. Wow, you did him dirty. What the hell is this? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, do you know what the definition of insanity is? Over and over again, expecting You're different results. You're doing the same yeah. thing over and over again and, and expecting a different result. You weren't going to get any different results, Dwayne Casey. He showed you, and it wasn't a small sample size either, man. Like It was like three, four years of showing you what he can do with that team. I think that he was a little bit peeved because maybe if you give him Kawhi Leonard, maybe something might have been different, but I don't. I don't agree. I don't think that the Raptors win a championship with Dwayne Casey at the helm, even no. with Quadlin. I don't mm-hmm. think that they do. So it was the right, it was the right move. Uh, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of fans that, again, they have this emotional attachment. And I, I agree to you. I agree with you uh, to a certain extent about the um, Toronto, like the Toronto fans, because I think that in for the Blue Jays and for the Raptors, I would agree um, I think for the Maple Leafs, because they have such a history with them and there's already 
years and years and years of that history that the Raptors and arguably the Blue Jays don't really have too much. Um, so if a change is made, fans are kind of going, okay, right? Mm. And you and you talk about it for a bit, and then you move on to the next. But um, I, I think that with a team that doesn't have that much history, they're kind of like, oh, well, will we ever get a guy like this again? Like, is, is that even possible for us? Where I think a team that has a history, like the Celtics, like the Red Sox, they've seen it and they've lived through literally every single scenario. So they understand that when a coach moves on or when a player moves on, it's not the end of the world. Right. And I think that our fans still have to learn that. And it, it will, it'll come with time, but um, these are still relatively, and, and I know that they're like, there's been decades under these franchises, but they're still relatively newer franchises. Yeah. So I think the fans still need to learn. There's a lot of new fans with the teams, both with the, both with the success of the Blue Jays and with the Raptors recently, they've garnered some new fans. So I think that they just have to kind of take a step back and say, look, this is the way things work. Like sport is a business. It's the way things work. Asset management. Again, I go back to that when when players are moved and, you know, you can't get too attached because the teams don't get too attached to the players and the players shouldn't get too attached to the teams because at the end of the day, it's all about the bottom line, the business and selfishness. So do you need to do? I, I don't. I Fans will learn that, but I would attribute that more to the fact that they're still a little bit naive for those two teams. We got to get you uh, a T-shirt made, and on the front it says Toronto Sports Views, and on the back it says how to successfully run a team, one, <laughs> asset management, and then that's it. Asset management. <laughs> that's my, you know, you know that's my phrase, asset management. <laughs> I love it because it's so true, man, and it applies to every single sport. It doesn't matter. We could be talking about the Blue Jays. We could be talking about the Raptors. We could be talking about, we could be talking about rugby for all I care. It's asset management, man. That's that's literally what it comes down to. All right, let's move on from Dwayne Casey. I want to talk about like the conglomerate of these first two weeks and uh, what has caught your eye. So, is there anything that you've noticed that this team needs to improve on? And again, small sample size being what it is, we're only six games deep. But you know, is there anything that you noticed that this team needs to improve on? Is there anything that you've noticed that wow, I, I didn't expect that, and this is going in the right direction? What has caught your eye the most, either positive and or negatively, when it comes to the Raptors? Well, I'll say one thing positively, one thing negatively. Um, sure. I think that, and well, I'll start. I'll get the bad thing out of the way first. I think that the Raptors sort of need to start on time, and um, I you, I've seen this a lot with my Maple Leafs, and I know that you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know about that, but the Leafs are very notorious this year about not starting on time yeah. and being down early, and it's it's hard to always play from behind. It just becomes very taxing, like. We saw it even in the first game against the Pelicans, right? And it's again, that's that's a game that starts out off of a massive high of the ring ceremony, and then you kind of come out and you almost expect that to happen. But I just think that in every first quarter, we've either been too close for comfort on teams where we shouldn't have been close, like the the Bulls, like we shouldn't have been within like two three points after the first quarter, right? Like that should be like a five six point lead by the first quarter, right? Um, if, if you take a look at the Pelicans, we shouldn't have been down. Right. I just think that they're not starting on time and that kind of causes things to get changed up a bit. You kind of expect your team to start on time. So, and that's, this is more of just nitpicking. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a, a massive issue moving forward. I'm just trying to find something right to, to sort of nitpick from that, from that regard. Um, but positively, I think that, um, it's been the 
the three point shooting of the team in terms of guys that you were sort of expecting to give you three point shooting, but not at a not necessarily effective rate. I think that that's been pretty promising. We've seen Serge Ibaka shoot the ball pretty well from deep actually this year. Um, OG and Anobi's kind of come through with great three and D this year. He's been, I, I think OG has been fantastic this year. It's oh, been yeah. a revelation for the team. Mm. Um, and, and that's, that again is a positive in and of itself, but um, Pascal Siakam shooting from, and not, like I said earlier, not just the corners. He's sort of been able to shoot from everywhere. I think that, I think that you need that. I think that you need the three-point shooting when you don't have Danny Green or Kawhi Leonard anymore. I think that that becomes a necessary replacement and has been really positive to see what they've been able to do so far. Again, I don't have numbers in front of me, but just visually, I just think that it's been pretty like impressive from what I've seen. Um, so yeah, if you take all that together, I think that there's been a few positives and negatives, but um at the end of the day, I, I think that I really like where the Raptors are right now in terms of a whole. Like they're four and two. They played pretty well. Um, only lost to Milwaukee by a bit after being down a lot, and and then and then lost lost to the Celtics in a game where they probably shouldn't have lost, but that's okay. Um, moral victories too come out of this, and I'm I'm pretty happy with with where things are with the Toronto Raptors franchise at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not discouraged by any means. Like last night, that game against Milwaukee, I know a lot of people were were down about it. But when you think about it, first of all, this is a regular season game. Like you're going to lose regular season games. And moreover, you're going to rule, um, lose to regular season games to really shitty teams. It's going to happen. Like, this is just the the nature of the beast. Sometimes the Raptors are going to lose games that they should have won and vice versa. They're going to win games that maybe they shouldn't be winning. Who knows what's going to happen when they take that trip to L.A., those back-to-backs. Who knows? Like, did anybody consider last year, I remember they were playing uh, Golden State on a back-to-back without Kawhi, and they ended up winning that. Who thought that? Like, I didn't. Right. And J- JV left that game. Who thought they were going to win that game? Not only Not did me. they win it. Yeah, they won <laughs> it convincingly. Like, it, things tend to balance out. Um, so in no way do I think this team is in dire straits, but I need to see more from the players that matter. We talked about Marcus all on the jump of the show. I need to see more. Uh, I, I, this is a guy that's averaging just about 26 minutes a game. I need to see a lot more from him than what he's been producing. You know, he's only averaging just, just a little bit over six points a game. It's not enough. Like in, in Yikes. total, yeah, it's seven and a half total rebounds. Like you like that, but you kind of want to see more of that more from your center when it comes to, to rebounding. Like it it just seems like he's unconditioned at this point, you know, and I love what I've been seeing from Serge Ibaka. Like I, I expected a big leap from OG Ananobi. Like he was super hyped in the beginning of the season. Uh, Same thing with Pascal Siakam. We knew that this was going to be the season that he takes the next, next step. Um, But Serge Ibaka has just been a joy to watch. And he just seems like an animal unleashed. Like, he seems to be, like, in, in the best possible condition. He seems to be very, very determined to to prove that the Raptors weren't a, a one-year wonder when it comes to winning the championship, and I love that. I love seeing that from Serge Ibaka because how many times last year were we like, oh, God, Serge, you're making me want to, like, you know, turn this game off or whatever. Yeah. It's really encouraging to see him on his game and to making those open shots at the elbow and stuff. I love it. Um but, you know, if we're sticking to the recency bias here of last night, 
Like, for the life of me, I do not know why Nick Nurse did not have OG Ananobi on Giannis exclusively. I, I anticipated it was going <sighs> to yeah. be Siakam. I anticipated that. But I also anticipated seeing the trend of foul trouble that Pascal Siakam has been exhibiting. Uh, that spelled disaster for me. You know, like, he fouled out game one. Game two, he had two fouls, but then five, five, three, six. Like, to me, that's... He's getting very handsy, and I don't know that that's a, an aspect of learning. And this is a guy who also didn't go to the line once last night. So I don't know if it was a lack of aggression. I don't know if he wasn't getting the calls that he, uh, for him in his favor that he was getting against him. I don't know. But I need to see more of a quick adjustment from Nick Nurse because I know he's capable of doing it. We've seen it. And yes, it's just a regular season game. But come on, man. Like... This game was sort of important to, you know, really set a bar for the Raptors in terms of what they're capable of moving forward. Yeah, um, and, and and I'm hoping that Nick Nurse sort of figures that out. I mean, last year, the big issue that we had with him was timeouts, right? And we were like, dude, just yeah. call a timeout, man. Like, figure it out. Call a timeout. Like, how many games does it take for you to figure this out? Call a timeout. Call a timeout. Why are you not calling timeout, right? And oh, fuck, I remember we, that, Jesus. <laughs> right? Yeah, we wanted to. We were ready to strangle him at one point. I, you were, you and I got pretty heated about it. We're like, can you just fucking call a timeout, dude? Like, are you kidding me? Like, come on, right? And it was, it was very, it was very frustrating. Um, and then you sort of like understand that he learned, and and by the time the playoffs came, we saw it maybe in a couple games in the Orlando Magic series, and then. That was never really an issue. Right. Right. It wasn't a talking point. And he figured it out. Um, he's still a sophomore coach. Like, I I know he has coaching experience. I'm talking NBA head coach. Mm-hmm. Sophomore, sophomore year. Um, he'll figure it out. Uh, and, and I think that it might have just taken him this game. Then he goes back. He looks at the film and he's like, ah, shit. Yeah, I probably should have put OG more on him or put OG on Giannis exclusively. Right. Um that will come, and and I think that that's sort of just him because he made that adjustment in the postseason where he's like, okay, Kawhi, you're you're going on Giannis, and and that's it. Like I've I've had enough. And it took him two games, right? Who knows? It'll I think it'll come. It just needs to take its time. It needs to run its course. Yeah, I mean. Again, I'm not trying to imply that these are going to be long-standing issues, although mm-hmm. the, the the lack of timeout calls, or rather the appropriate uh, timing of the timeout calls last season, did sort of, it ran a little bit longer than I would have liked it to. And same with you, like, I'm sure you feel the same way. So I'm hoping yes. with this experience, being a sophomore head coach in the NBA, he'll learn from that and be like, I need to make these adjustments just a little bit quicker. Um Again, it's just a regular season game last night. If we're talking just about last night, it's just a regular season game. Um, I'm not concerned when it comes to that, but if I have any like long-term concerns when it comes to this team, Marcus Gasol is definitely at the top of my list right now. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is starting to run into familiar habits of dribbling the air out of the ball. Mm-hmm. Not really liking that, but again, I'm going to give him a little bit of rope here because of his contributions in the finals last year and his hot start. Um, at least game one and game two, a little bit of game two, so I'm I'm willing to ease off of it. Um, but otherwise, when it comes to positives, you, you can't look any further than Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, OG Ananobi, and Serge Ibaka. They've just been incredible. Um, yeah. And uh, I can see them going through a little bit of lulls, but when you have them playing at such a high level, like these are video game numbers we're talking about. 
And when you see them playing at this kind of level, it really gives you a sense of optimism moving forward, despite the loss last night. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, how can it not? Right. Like when you when you take a look, you said video game numbers. Right. Those are those are video game numbers. Pascal Siakam is actually ma- he was making a case. It, he still is making a case to be most improved after being most improved. Right. Like mm. he's 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 put he's averaging numbers that are all star starter numbers. He might have. Um, he might be all-star, all-NBA, and all-defense this year. It's very possible. Mm-hmm. And that's to have that trifecta is quite impressive. All right, let's move forward. We're going to take our final break, and we come back. We're bringing back the two-sweet moment of the week once again. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> it's time for the two-sweet moment of the week. Here on the South of the Six podcast. Get the two sweets up in the air. And here we go. Two sweet moment of the week. Connor, I gave you the floor last week. So if you will allow me, let me be the first to give my two sweet moment of the week. I was actually about to say, does anybody actually allow you to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Because I was legitimately about to say, I went first last week. You take it this week because I stole the thunder last week. We both had the same two sweet moments. So I'm going to let you go with it. And And we might have the same one this week. Who knows? Well, so I'm usually super liberal when it comes to what people want the two sweet moment of the week to be. Usually it's like most people take one sequence that happened to the game i've had moments on here where people like this emotion that ran through the game that's fine too i'm gonna keep it simple pascal's entire performance wednesday against detroit that was amazing (laughs) it was unbelievable and i know that the detroit lineup was a little bit depleted it wasn't nearly as like challenging as maybe another team milwaukee might be against pascal (laughs) siakam but still like the confidence in the way he was shooting absolutely unbelievable so that's my moment quote-unquote pascal's performance against detroit what say yeah. he? um i think i think that's actually that's actually really smart um i then we're, we don't have the same one um okay. <laughs> it, it was it, it was sort of late into the milwaukee game and uh Giannis was driving in and he almost got this like double block on him from abaka and i believe it was og ananobi and in a game where, like we had said before previously, it was just so mentally and physically exhausting and draining. And you're sitting there and you're like, oh, my God, is this going to be a blowout? And they, they sort of come back and then you see this life from them. And near the end of the game, it was a very crucial play on, 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 a, on a play that Giannis could have easily gotten two points. And obviously the outcome wasn't as you expected. But to have that sort of happen, I think, was was actually really sweet. It was It was really cool to see. So for me... I sat there and I watched it and go, well, I was pretty sweet. And then I was like, oh, oh it's too I sweet. Think that was, I think that was too sweet. So to me, that was that was my too sweet moment of the week because um, with without that, I don't even think that you could get that game as close as what it was. I think the momentum kind of swings a little bit more than what you'd expect it to be. And uh, yeah, so uh, to me, that was the too sweet moment of the week right there. You know, it was a cl- Kyle Lowry's performance last night was a really close second, and I was yes. almost going to put that up there and being like, you know, he carried this team on his back, quote unquote, into that game, and that's exactly what you want to see from your leader um, to set the tone. But like, I sort of expect that from Lowry. 
right? And uh, although in the same token, I do expect this growth from Siakam and that type of performance, it's good to see it. Whereas Lowry, I'm not nearly as surprised. Like, right. it, it it's just sort of like, that's Kyle Lowry, man. Like, people doubt him, and he's going to come up and put up numbers. Like, it, it was an incredible performance from Kyle Lowry despite the loss, but having Pascal do it at home. And again, like even though you and I don't really buy into the narrative of Dwayne Casey, I'm sure for some fans seeing him, you know, twist the dagger a little bit into him in that game was nice to see, I guess. But, you know, all in all, Pascal Siakam, that's what I need to see from him a lot more moving forward. Maybe not to that degree every night. That's a tall ask. But in terms of yeah, in terms of teams that we know that the Raptors can handle the Bulls, um, you know, like it, it's uh, it, it's really encouraging to see. Gotta love whenever we can throw in a Bulls <laughs> plug and just see how much they suck, how much uh, their franchise is just garbage right now, and how they can't even beat the worst teams in the league. You're garbage. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, Kevin, we love you, and hopefully you're listening, but uh, it's not looking good for you despite their win uh, last night. But no, uh, it's not. the Raptors are not playing Chicago this week. So let's get into predictions. Um, the schedule for the next two games looks to be a little nice, right? These are both one in five teams. They're play they're facing in Sacramento and New Orleans. They're heading back home, as I mentioned at the jump of the show, to host Sacramento, and then they're flying out to New Orleans for Friday night. So Wednesday versus Sacramento. What do you got? Well, do you think they're going to lose that game? No. <laughs> No, 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 they're not. They're not going to lose the game. Listen, um, people were saying that Buddy Heald's contract was better than Pascal Siakam. It's terrible. That's (laughs) that's not a good contract, man. Like, I'm sorry, it's not. Um, Sacramento almost didn't really have a choice because they don't attract big free agents. Like, Buddy Heald was right. He called him out. He goes, look, you guys don't attract big, big name free agents. If you don't give me the bag, I'm out. Right. And... That that's a franchise doesn't really have a choice. Like for them, they they have to draft really well. They have to develop well. They have to trade well. They almost have to do like what the Raptors did. Wow, what a concept! You can win a championship <laughs> if you do that. Just that franchise is not capable of doing it. Vladi just is garbage. So yes. um, the Sacramento is is going to lose that game. Uh, Toronto will show them what it's like to um, go up against a champion and be a champion in a team that doesn't really attract big name free agents. So that's an L for Sacramento and a dub for the Raptors. Easy. If this was in Sacramento, I wouldn't be nearly as confident because Sacramento seems to be like, it's like the Blue Jays, Tampa Bay. That's their house of yes. in Sacramento. Um, yeah. But since they're home, I, don't get me wrong. If they're away, I would still call it a W, but I wouldn't be nearly as confident. But you know, Wednesday, I have that as a dub as well. And Friday, they go out to New Orleans. This is a, a rematch from game one. Um, despite the strong performance from New Orleans, and even though I do like them in the Western Conference, they're struggling a little bit. They have a 1-5 in five record as well. As of this recording, again, Sunday morning, um, I'm still calling this a dub in NOLA. Yeah, me too. It's it's a dub. Easy dub. Sorry, I'm like uh, like you still without Zion. You're one in five. Uh, you just don't seem to gel well yet. Brandon Ingram's been um, a really nice storyline this year, and and good for him. But um, I just I don't I don't I don't see this coming out any other way. I think the Raptors go two and zero in that little stretch. So there you go. That brings a sense of optimism. If all goes according to plan right here, the Raptors will be 6-2. and two. Really can't hate on that coming into the first three weeks of the season at that point. 
Um, that would be a positive sign moving over. Both of these games are prime, ripe, and ready for a rebound after last night's game against Milwaukee. Don't freak out, Raptors fans. Like, I know a lot of people like to shit talk of the Raptors on Twitter. That's become, like, this most overblown, constant thing. And some reason, Raptors fans take the bait. Don't let your, you know, insecurities and this uh, inferiority complex get the best of you. The Raptors are defending champions. It's all you need to know. It's all you need. Don't take the bait. Don't, you know, give these people the, the satisfaction of getting thousands of retweets, thousands of com- uh, comments defending your team. Just don't, because at the end of the day, we're champions. That's all that matters. Um, having said that, Connor, that's going to wrap it up. I know you were on the show last week, but for the sake of continuity and because you deserve to, you can promote any and everything you got going on, <laughs> where people can find you on Twitter, all the above, bro. The floor is yours as always. Go for it. All right. Well, you can find me on uh, websites on the interwebs. Um, the website's uh, torontosportsviews.com. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at T-O underscore sports views. And then uh, the podcast, which will be, uh, it's it's almost like, um, going to be re, re reignited from the grave it's going to be rebirthed and reborn um the the tsv podcast so i'm going to be restarting that now that all the seasons are underway sort of get some stuff going on the raptors on the maple leafs uh talk a little bit maybe in the blue jays off season if they do something interesting within free agency or make a trade which they might maybe strasburg's a free agent uh, strasburg would be cool <laughs> no i'm just they they won't get either no we're blue jays fans <laughs> we know this <laughs> but um it's it's always nice to dream and, and maybe discuss so um those might be all things coming up so uh keep your ears peeled to that and um adam as always i want to thank you very much for having me on it's uh it's always a pleasure man like it's always a lot of fun talking to you and then i look and i see that we that we chat for like an hour and 15 minutes and i'm like how the hell like time flies by (laughs) on this podcast it's great so um thanks for having me on again it's been fantastic well, hopefully time has flown by for you, listener, and this is a this is something that you will partake in on a weekly basis. We do this every week. We talk Raptors at least once a week. If you have a moment, I encourage you to check out Connor's uh, podcast. Subscribe to it so you're prime and ready when the episode drops. Also, uh, follow him on Twitter, the links to both of which will be in the description of the show. And while you're at it, rummaging through uh, Apple Podcasts, just give the show that you're listening to right now a five-star and a quick review. We appreciate it. It helps us become more accessible to other Raptors fans looking for Raptors content. But with that said, we got two dubs heading into the week. The Raptors should rebound. Don't fret. Everything's going to be okay. Connor, thank you for joining me, man. Take it easy. You too, my man. Thank you. for listening to the south of the six podcast don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at south of the six and subscribe to our show we're on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher spotify yeah we're everywhere while you're at it if you liked what you heard do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review we appreciate it thanks again go jays and raptors